All right, let's do this. This is Wise Guy Talks. Wise Guy Talks. Speaking truth to power. Exposing lies. Fake news. Fighting to restore American values. American values. Release the hounds. All right, America, it is time to release the hounds. I am the head hound, Guy Midkiff. Uh, we're sitting in here. Believe it or not, do you guys know what episode that we're doing today? 76. Wow. When, what shirt do you have on today? What does that say? It's my Fruit Juice Bonanza shirt. <laughs> Hashtag FJB. Fruit Juice Bonanza. My daughter loves this shirt, by You're the way. Ki- Oh, my gosh. You're killing me. Do you guys know that this is going to be the last show, episode 76? We've been busy this year. I mean, we have really hit it pretty hard. And we focus primarily on critical race theory uh, as it opposes uh, or as it affects us locally, but also nationally. Uh, we were one of the first counties, one of the first local school districts that really jumped into critical race theory, recognized it, called it what it was. Um, and we've been, I, I think we kind of focused on this, Robert, uh, because we know that it's a local issue, but it has national implications. You're exactly right. And and I think that's important to point out that we, we were talking about critical race theory before there was any national media you couldn't. In fact, I googled it at the time. No, there was could, nothing. There was nothing, and so that's why I always roll my eyes when people talk about you know this this boogeyman. It's made up. Yeah. You know, we we had identified it all the way back into July and August of. 2020. I I had written an article called uh, "Trojan Horse Comes to Town," and in that I I made the comment that as uh, so goes South Lake, uh, ergo uh, Tarrant County goes to the rest of the United States because Tarrant County has become the new Orange County from California. And that got picked up by NBC News, Mike, our, our buddies, Mike Hicksonbaugh. I, I like to uh, waste no uh, attempt at uh, talking about Mr. Hicksonbaugh. And so he picked that up, and he requoted me on that. And I don't think he even gave me credit for it. Did he? Uh, he did. He did. The, the, one, the one time I heard him say it, I don't remember what if it was in the podcast, but he, he did he did credit you. Sweet, sweet. And our last show, uh, remember we've got uh, our website up and going, uh, www.wiseguytalks.com. And if you want to get on the mailing list, this is real important, go to info at wiseguytalks.com and put your real name in there. We don't uh, want any fake names. Put your uh, real name in there, at least in the subject line, and we'll get you on board. That way you will know when we put out content. Um, and that content will also be reflected on the website. Keep in mind that at any given time, these far-left uh, media networks such as YouTube can pull us and we could be gone because they don't like what we don't say. They don't like our conservative message. So we could be off YouTube. We could be off Facebook uh, immediately. I am on uh, podcasts, so you can always find me on podcasts. Look us up on Spotify or Google Podcasts, or iTunes, you can find us there for sure. And this episode will be rebroadcast. Now, one of the things you can do that kind of helps us out, we work pro bono, that means free. We spend a lot of time and effort trying to bring you guys to truth, because that is always what we're trying to do, is bring you the truth. That's the most important thing to us, period. And, uh, well, it takes a lot of time and effort. Uh, both gentlemen that are in here today have full-time jobs. They come here to do this on their days off. And if you appreciate what we're doing, listen to what I'm saying. If you appreciate what we're doing, you need to do a couple of things. You need to share us. When you see a link, wherever you see that link of what we're doing, you need to send it to 10 of your friends and ask those 10 to send it around. You need to comment on it 
You need to like. If there's a potential, you need to join um, like our mailing list. That's how you help us remain relevant. Because if we're just going out there and only a couple of hundred people are hearing this, big deal. Who cares? So it's up to you. We're not asking for you for, for donations, but we are asking that you join our mailing list, info at wiseguytalks.com. You share us, you comment, you like, you join. Just that simple. Hey, today we're going to be talking about uh, two people that are running for Tarrant County judge, uh, Betsy Price and Tim O'Hare. And by the way, they are both invited to come on the show after this is over with and clear up any points that we make that they think needs to be made. I make no donations to either one of these candidates. I, was, I am not financially vested in, the, in the, either one of them. I may, after uh, this presentation, it depends on how it goes. Um, so anyhow, we spend a lot of time on critical race theory, uh, and, and we feel like it translates to what's going on at home. And one of the things we find that does translate well at home is authenticity and transparency. It's very important. Hey, by the way, this is Texas. This is not Sweden for my little Swedish friend. Uh, this is not Philadelphia. This is not New York, and this is certainly not San Francisco. So some of the BS that you're hearing uh, regarding political races, and they do get dirty in Texas, that dog don't hunt here in Texas. Tarrant County judge race, that's what we're going to be talking about. It's going to be a very important upcoming election. Uh, and just as we found with our school boards where we were asleep at the wheel for the last three decades, and we let folks that did not have our vested interest take control of a very conservative school and do their damn best to run us into the ground. We're now fixing that, but it's taken time. It's a lot easier had the Titanic made a one-degree course turn when they left uh, the U.K. Uh, or wherever they left in Europe. I think it was U.K. And instead of having to wait till they got right on the iceberg and then it was too late, they couldn't avoid it, they hit it, and they sank. So we're going to dig into uh, what's going on with this county judge race. We'll be right back. There it is. Speaking truth to power. Exposing you mean lies to play the intro again? News. Fighting to restore American values. American values. I can cut out part Release of this. Right here. It's all good. Yeah, I think we'll do a little edit there. What do you think, Robert? <laughs> I need to. Hey, man, we... The guy that, that works this uh, control board here could be a real knucklehead. I don't know if you noticed that or not. I made no you comment. Don't, you don't have to agree to that. <laughs> God, you guys are killing me he already. He does have a funny shaped head. Yeah. I will say that. I do not. Look at you. <laughs> you just outed yourself. You know who you remind me of? <laughs> you just outed yourself. Did you yourself. ever play that game, Mr. Potato Head, growing up? <laughs> I swear I could reach through there and pull your ears off. If I didn't think you weren't a black belt in whatever you took, I would, yeah. So. I think ladies like men with big ears. I think it's a proven Should historical we take a poll on that? fact. I think it's a fact. Let's take a poll on that. <laughs> All right. I don't know what's big ears, but uh, so anyway, where were we? Tarrant County. Um, Robert, first of all, before you jump into this, and first of all, thank you so much for doing a ton, a ton, a ton of research on this. I, I've got the, the whole presentation in front of me. It's going to be visually available and audibly available on the podcast or on the Facebook page or Rumble. Everything's going to Rumble. Um, I'm holding up the death cross, not the death cross, but, uh, the evil cross. What do you call it? Like when you do your fingers like this and you yeah. make the cross. Warding off the vampire. That's the one, yeah. uh, YouTube, those guys really suck. So, um, they don't like the truth over there. 
And so we're going to avoid those guys. We're moving anything over to Rumble. Did you do that on purpose? What at? Vampires suck. That's a, that's a T-shirt right I th- there. I thought about that. Yeah, I thought about that long right. and hard. No, that was a total freaking accident. <laughs> All right. So anyhow, uh, we know that the left is trying to really hard focus on Tarrant County because it is the new Orange County. And if, if these guys take control, man, it's going to be just like what they did to California and completely destroyed that uh, beautiful state, one of my favorite states in the whole United States of America. We know that they want to ta- paint Texas blue. Uh, but what we want to talk about are some of these candidates that are running for office, and are they authentic uh, conservatives? So, to wit, we've invited Juan and Robert on board today. Roberto, what can you tell us about this race? Well, you're right, Guy. I've been doing a lot of digging on this Tarrant County race and what's going on. And, and so we're all going to vote in the primary on March 1st and then the general election in November and I know a lot of people probably aren't up to speed on what a county judge does and why it's important. So I'm going to talk about that in a few minutes. But first, I want to talk about the big strategy for Tarrant County. And, and I mean the Democrat strategy to turn Tarrant County blue so they can turn Texas blue. And, and when I say that, I, I'm not being hyperbolic. Tarrant County is the, the last metro county in Texas that's still a bat- battleground. And we're teetering on the edge. I'm going to show you that in a minute. If, if we lose Tarrant County... We're one step closer to losing Texas, and if we lose Texas, we lose 40 electoral votes, we'll lose the federal government for a generation. There's no question about it. So the stakes are huge right here in uh, Tarrant County. So when you look at Texas overall, and, and so if you look at presidential race, for example, and you go back to 2000, George Bush won in 2000, uh, beat Al Gore 59% to 38%, so by a really wide margin. But if you fast forward to 2020, you see President Trump won 52% to 46.5% for Biden. And it's a pretty steady decline in Texas as Texas has shifted blue over that period of time. Now, if, if you take it down to Tarrant County, which is really what we're going to focus about because, uh, focus on today because we're talking about the county judge race. If you look at the presidential race uh, for Tarrant County in 2012, Mitt Romney beat Barack Obama 57% to 41%. But in 2020, November of 2020, Biden actually beat Donald Trump by about 3,000 votes. So it's been a pretty dramatic shift in pretty really uh, over a really short period of time. And and let's be let's be honest about this. This has been an orchestrated strategy to turn Tarrant blue. And as we dig into this and in in sort of the city government in Fort Worth, largest city in Tarrant County, I think it'll make more sense how how that can happen. Well, I want to interject here Go before ahead. you move to the Senate races. Sure. You know, it, it strikes me as odd how well uh, Biden performed, outperformed even Obama. And I'm talking in terms of percentages, not raw numbers. You know, I'm not understating the impact of people moving here for business reasons from places like California and New York and whatever, and the hatred that some of them had for Donald Trump. But these numbers cause me grave concern, especially considering the story that came out right after the election of the Tarrant County election administrator, Hyder Garcia, who was in bed with people who uh, I think the CEO founder of Smartmatic, Antonia Mujica, one of his close friends. So I'm not saying that there was impropriety there, but I am saying, uh, well, I'm going to ask the question, who oversees elections in Tarrant County? Who's ultimately responsible? 
that's part of what's at stake here. That's exactly right. The county judge, and I'm going to talk about that in a minute. That That's actually really important, Juan. That's one of the reasons we've got to make sure we get the right person in that seat. Are, are we going to address that 3,000 uh, vote differential, where that actually came from? Are we going to talk about that? I, I wasn't going to dive into it because you see the same thing in the Senate race. If you look at, uh, for example, Ted Cruz, he beat his opponent in 2012. So similar margins, it was uh, 50, I think it was 59% to 40% or 57% to 40%. And then uh, in 2018, Ted Cruz actually lost by that similar margin about 4,000 votes. Are, are people coming out to vote? Is that the problem, that we're not coming out to vote? Or, or do we have too many people in the middle that I think there's some turnout, but I also think that, the, that Tarrant County's targeted. I think we're targeted for, to shift Tarrant blue. It's part of the bigger overall strategy. I mean, think back to, to the Beto race. So that the, the Beto race and Beto in particular got national. I don't know why I call him Beto. Robert Francis O'Rourke. Right. Um, I thought it was Beto. <laughs> so, but think about the national news media coverage that he got. It was huge. He was this fresh new face, and everybody was loving on him. He rode a skateboard. Right. It, it was. It, it, but this is it, this is not by accident. This is an orchestrated strategy to turn Texas blue. Don't be naive about this. And it's happening right here locally in Tarrant County. Yeah, and absolutely. And I, I, I want to make a point here that I am not going down the conspiracy theory bandwagon. I don't know. I haven't dug into the numbers. How many more people turned out? How big is the hatred of Donald Trump? What's the coattail impact of all that? Whatever. My point is very simple. It is in an age when we have highly contested elections, it's it's critically important that we can trust the process to ensure that the will of the people is being reflected at the ballot box. And there's not a lot of confidence across the country in that process right now. Well, don't let me jump too, too far ahead. And you can wave me off on this, but how important and how vital of a role is Tarrant County judge playing that process? Well, that, that's that. Let's actually talk about it a little bit. So, um, so the Tarrant County, 16 largest county in the U.S., third largest in Texas, which is why it's been a, a target for Democrats. You know, Dallas flipped decades ago. Harris County flipped decades ago. So th this is sort of the last battleground in terms of major metro areas. Uh, and that's why this race is so important. So the county judge is not what it might sound like. It, you know, it sounds like a criminal court judge presiding over cases brought by the DA. That's not what a county uh, judge does. This is the highest elected office in the county. The, the county judge preside, he's the presiding officer and judge over the county commissioner court that makes these critical policy decisions that impact the whole county. So you've got four county commissioners and one judge, all of them vote. So you have five total voting members. And they're responsible for overseeing elections, which we're just talking about, which is why it's so critical we get the right person here, managing county finance, finances, issuing bonds, uh, managing the commissioner court operations, and this one's really relevant right now, playing a key role in emergency management functions. He's like the chief seen. executive of the county. That is exactly the right way to say it. So so we're, I'm looking at these uh, commissioners in precinct one, two, three, and four. How do they get appointed elected? How do they get into that position? So, so you've got four <clears throat> precincts in Tarrant County, precinct one through four, and each one of them have areas. So we're in precinct three here in South Lake, for example. And if you, if you look at the precincts, Precinct 1 and Precinct 2 are held by Democrats today. So we've got a 3-2 split on the, the 
the county commission. And so another reason that that us picking the right judge here is critically important because if we get the wrong judge, we get a rhino, then this thing could shift in the other direction. And so Roy Brooks in Precinct 1 beat a conservative in November of 2020 by 60-40. So that's a pretty safe precinct for Democrats. So we're probably not going to be turning that one anytime soon. But but Devin Allen, who's in Precinct 2, she beat Andy Nguyen in 2018 by 51-49. So it was pretty close. But remember what was going on in 2018. That was the whole Beto wave and all of that national yeah, media right. about Texas flipping and Beto's going to beat Cruz, all that stuff. So I think she rode on Beto's coattails into that seat. Well, and if the conservatives out there listening haven't paid attention and woken up to the fact that local elections are extremely Matter. important, yeah. something that the something that the left has known for decades and acted upon, look at this composition of this commission. 3-2, the conservative majority hangs by a thread, and depending on who you get in there as the judge, it may be the difference between mass mandates and no mass mandates, vaccine passports and no vaccine passports. There's all kinds of uh, knock-on effects that come out of this commission right here. That yeah, is, that's and, exactly and right. Think about all the small businesses that were killed, you know, so that they could keep all the major businesses still in, in uh keep them in business. I mean, think about how many small businesses went out of town here and went out of business here in Southern. I, I, I really don't know, but I've, I've per- personally witnessed probably a half dozen that I did would, any of the I big box to, yeah. stores that were getting no. millions of dollars, no. billions of, of dollars in taxpayer money. Of course not. not. Of course not. Okay. They're, they're only curious. pulling out of San Francisco cause they can't keep inventory. Yeah. Um, <laughs> picked up on that. Yeah. So, um, I, I, I do just want to say this to close out th- this conversation about these precincts. If you're in precinct two, which is a lot of Arlington, uh, some of sort of Southeast Fort Worth, if you're in that precinct and you need to go look it up to make sure to see what precinct you're in, but you need to support Andy Nguyen. He's a great guy. I've met him. He's, we need to get him back in that seat. Get him on the show. Yeah. Yeah. I I second that. I've met him too. He's a great dude. He's a good guy. So there are three candidates that are running as Republicans in the primary for the County judge position. You've got Tim O'Hare, you've got Betsy Price and a gentleman by the name of Robert Trevor Booker. We're not going to spend a lot of time talking about, but so Tim O'Hare, we know him here in South Lake folks outside of South Lake may not be as familiar with him, but I can tell you he's, he's been in this fight over critical race theory and taking back our schools from the very beginning. If you remember guy, you and I were in a backyard meeting in a, in a, one of our community members backyards back in the summer of 2020, he was there. Right. So from the very first meeting, I remember him being involved and he was, he was critically uh, instrumental in creating the South Lake Families Pack, which w- allowed us to to organize and get behind resistance to this this woke agenda that was being imposed on our schools. So, I, in, in my view, he's got pretty solid conservative credentials from what I've seen. Well, wasn't he a mayor of Farmers Branch? Or uh... he he was. I think he was a councilman and a mayor of Farmers Branch. So he's yeah. got some pretty good bona fides. He does. He does. Uh, Betsy Price, former Fort Worth mayor, was elected in 2011 and served through 2021. And, you know, I, I, I have to reflect back on what we talked about in terms of that slide that's really occurred and accelerated since around 2012 in Tarrant County. That's all during her period of time as mayor in, in Fort Worth. I, so, I think that bears repeating. So <clears throat> during her tenure, which is, what did that start, in 2012? 2011. 2011. Uh, we've seen precipitous declines in our representation. We have uh, conservative representation. We have. We have. And, and can any of that be laid at her footsteps, her well, doorsteps? I, I have to tell you, I have real concerns. And as we go through this, I think you'll see why I have concerns 
about that and why I'm linking those things okay. together. Yeah. So uh, the other, the other candidate is uh, Robert Trevor Booker. I'm not going to really talk about him. I he, I can't even find a contribution history on him. I can't find a solid voting record. I don't know who this guy is. So I, I um, hadn't he made some attacks on uh, I, I, him? I, I think he has. He he. It, you know, Texas politics can be can be dirty. Yeah, they must not have listened to Ronald Reagan. Where what was that golden rule number one? Republicans don't attack Republicans. I yeah. guess they didn't get the memo. So I, I do want to focus on Betsy Price, though. So, I, so you know, I don't live in Fort Worth. We don't live in Fort Worth. I didn't know much about Betsy Price, but but a couple of things drew my attention to Betsy Price in 2020 and then again in 2021. And the first one was her involvement in the BLM marches in the summer of 2020. That would be re- Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter. We all remember what was going on in the summer of 2020. Summer of 2020 drew out a lot of rhinos. We all remember Mitt Romney you know, marching with BLM. So we saw the, the same thing happening with the mayor of Fort Worth. She sort of got pulled into that as well. So she participated in the protests in Fort Worth and, and expressed support. So I want to run a couple of news clips. This is actually two different news agencies. I've, I've put them together just to give people a sense of her involvement in BLM in the summer of And before you hit that, sure. I just want to, you know, uh, talk about the co-founder of BLM, Patrice Cullors. One of her famous quotes or tweets that she sent out was that we're we're all trained Marxists over here, and Antifa has been following those guys in a lot of their direction from the very beginning. And if you don't know who Antifa is, they're pretty much a far left radical organization that says they're anti-fascist, but uh, just like uh, in 1984, it's doublespeak. They are actually very fascist organization. They're the modern day brown shirts. Sure, yeah, not for Jack, the uh, Jack, Democrat Party. Jack booted. All right, so let me run this real quick so you get a sense of Betsy Price's involvement. Earlier, as an afternoon rally kicked off, Fort Worth Mayor Betsy Price joined demonstrators. I can't breathe! Even chanting with them. We're all mourning. We're all hurt by the death of George Floyd, and I wanted to come let them know we care and to listen to their concerns. It's not about me. This is about George Floyd and the injustice system. Talking to this crowd, and I'll tell you, mostly high schoolers and college students, some of them, frankly, didn't seem to recognize her. So organizers introduced her to the group, tried to talk to different people about her, and they say that's one of the goals is to get people engaged. You were just talking about change. That's what they say the next step is, is to get people involved in politics. And Mayor Price talked about that as well. Take a listen. I think this is a good example of that. What I don't want is for them to lose their enthusiasm. Now, I want them to keep this up. Keep it up. So so there you go. Uh, Betsy Price um, wants the protests to, to keep going. She wants the Marxists that want to disrupt my family, when they want to defund the police. She wants them to keep up the energy. So that didn't land well with me. Uh, and on June 8th, she, she retweeted... Or she, she, yeah, yeah, she retweeted a tweet from from Fort Worth that indicated that they were going to drop all charges for rioting as a result of these BLM protests. So she she has been a supporter of this, or she was a supporter of this through 2020. She also retweeted an image of the chief police, uh, the chief of police taking a knee to this Marxist mob. And did she encourage that? I, I, I really don't know. But she was right in the middle of all this. And so this, this is what drew my attention to her. And so, I, look, I get she's a mayor. She needs to, to be engaged in the community. She has to be a mayor for everyone. But to lend her credibility uh, and the mayor's bully pulpit to, to people that hate America, they hate traditional families, they want to defund the police, it just doesn't make sense to me. 
So, but there's a fundamental difference between saying, I want to hear the concerns of the people and actively participating right from the beginning in their protest that is not based on any kind of evidence. Yes, George Floyd was was killed, and it's still not clear exactly what whether that was directly the result of the knee on the neck. The knee on the neck was not good, obviously. We're all against the idea of the abuse of authority. But the point is, no one ever made the connection between that and systemic racism. There was a lot of reasons the cops were there. George Floyd was not a good guy. I don't care if yeah. George Floyd was black or white or Asian or Hispanic. I don't care. He held a knife but, to the belly right. of his pregnant girlfriend. But, I mean, the guy but, was no saint. But pay attention. I noticed at the <clears throat> beginning of that clip, the first clip, I, I think I saw a sign that said, silence is compliance. Yes. And that is a real problem because this all goes back to ignore evidence, listen to people. They're saying, stop killing us. Where's the evidence? The evidence does not bear that out, right? Silence is not compliance. It, it can be in the face of stark evidence to the contrary, but we haven't seen that. And what we're seeing here is an effort by the left that's been going on for decades to raise what they call critical consciousness. And this goes back, I don't want to take this too far afield, but this goes back to a philosopher by the name of Herbert Marcuse, who wrote an essay in 1965 called Repressive Tolerance, where he talks about you need to wake up. This is where the term woke comes from. You need to wake up to this whole systemic racism, white supremacy uh, ideology, which is nothing more than repackaged Marxism, right? Yeah. And it rejects the Constitution, the idea of rights. And we've been down this road. We don't have to, to, to beat that dead horse. But well, I just wanted to point that out. I, th I think I'm going to show you, though, that th I think this is all going to make more sense, her involvement in 2020, as I walk through what happened prior to 2020. But on May 20th, 2020, she released a statement committing to continued work towards equity and ending systemic racism in Fort Worth. So she was had fully adopted the woke language before any of this started. But I think this is going to make more sense as we go through the race and culture task force that was that was built in Fort Worth, which is the point of this. And, and I think you'll see that, um, that she's been engaged in this stuff much longer than we realized. Well, but this is what I mean. You have a chief executive, in this case, of a major city who yep. is saying, I, I agree that there is systemic racism, inequity, disparity – don't you you don't start there you start with right. well let's look into this right that's right? exactly right if i have disparate impact if i have disparate outcomes that is an indicator that i need to investigate some things i don't just say let me concede the point right for political purposes but i, I want to go back and touch on the silence uh, is compliance is that what it says silence is compliance i i think that also manifests manifests itself in jurisprudence within the court system and and you end up having um people that are jurists that are actually become afraid to to speak the truth and to decide the truth based on the facts. I think if you look at what happened with Rittenhausen, you had a jury in a clear-cut case of self-defense, took them three days to come to a conclusion, which should have taken them about 30 seconds. So the downstream of the knock-on effect to this silence is compliance. There, there is a lot of turbulence that results downstream from people that believe like this. Yeah. So the other thing that raised my antenna was a fundraiser Betsy Price had here in Southlake with a school board trustee named Sherry Mills. So folks in Southlake will be familiar with Sherry Mills, but those not in Southlake, let me just give a little bit of background. So Sherry Mills was the president of the CISD 
school board in 2018 when a video went viral of some Carol ISD students chanting the N-word to a rap song after the homecoming dance. Not on school property. Not on school property. Now, now after that video went viral, another parent came forward and said she had seen video of the homecoming dance and the DJ had been encouraging kids to shout the N-word and some other obscenities. So there was a lot more to the story than just that video. But after the video went viral, Mills went on local news promising to take action. She never defended the community. She never defended South Lake or the school system. Instead of defending, what she did is she went and formed a district diversity council of 63 members, and that only included a handful of conservatives. But so, were they diverse? <laughs> no, they weren't, they, were, they weren't diverse in thought. That's my very point. We're two-thirds conservative here in South Lake, but of the 63 members, less than 10% or maybe 10% were actually conservatives. But isn't that a big yeah. division right off the bat? Of course it you, is. You have an idea of what diversity is, and right. her idea certainly did not match up because she thought it was immutable characteristics. Right. That was what her idea of, of uh, diversity was. Right. Well, what got my attention was when she made the, the statement, and I think you're going to play the clip where she said that, you know, we, politics was not involved, Sark wasn't involved. That's yep. that's incorrect. Sark absolutely was involved. In fact, the Sark members, you know, had secret meetings with members of the school board prior right. to the release of the right. of the DDC's product. Right. And we found out later some of them were on the DDC yes. and ended up, you know, going attacking Victor Avila because Victor had the the wherewithal to say, all lives matter. How yes. dare he, right? And they just went off on him and attacked him and his family. That's right. Uh, and if we can get into details yeah. of that later, that's another so podcast. The, the point was, though, the council produced this critical, uh, this uh, cultural competence action plan, or what's called CCAP, which is foundationally critical race theory. And we can, we, we've covered that many times here on this episode. You can listen to earlier episodes, or on the show, you can listen to earlier episodes. Um, and Sherry Mills herself sat on the committee and pushed hard to get this passed. So I just want to run this clip of her really quick in the August 3rd, 2020 board meeting, her trying to maneuver to get this passed. Very quickly, uh, you mentioned the word SARC, Juan. SARC stands for South Lake Anti-Racist Coalition, for those that are not from here, which is what I, 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 I describe as a neo-Marxist organization, uh, chock-a-block full of far-left radicals. Yep, that's exactly right. So let's run this real quick. So I've taken a stab at revising um, my motion. So now I make a move that the school board of trustees receive the plan and direct the administration to hold workshops for clarity on the cultural competence action plan. Sherry, so you just I'm ascertained that. that we don't have to have a vote. Why are you asking for a vote? I am because I've spent the past 22 months of my life working on this plan and I think that we owe it to the students. I don't think this should be about politics. I think we have a real problem with the fact that it's gotten into politics right now. And this plan was made of 63 people from our community. It happened before Sark, it happened before the South Lake community people started. It had no special interest groups. So I think we owe it to the people who spent the past two years of their life to vote tonight. So, as you can see, it, it wasn't about the quality of the plan. It was about the fact that they'd worked so hard on months. it. Right? There you go. Well, um, uh, you know, it was Matt Bryan, I think, is the one that, that said, was asking for the clarity here. Right. Are you asking for a vote? Right. Well, and it wasn't he, even on the agenda. 
Right. Well, I mean, he how, was, how do you vote on something that's not even on the agenda so well, you can prepare for what it? What he was saying was we don't need a vote to just receive the plan. Right. We were already supposed to receive the plan. Right. You need a vote to approve the plan. And he was saying we don't we don't hold votes uh, for symbolic reasons. We hold votes votes to direct policy decisions. Right. And that was something that pushed got pushed back on by by uh, Sherry and, exactly. and a couple of the other members of the, so, of the board. And that, and that is the key point. She was pushing hard to get this plan passed and implemented in our schools, and it was a radical plan. And she says there's no special interest, yet they turned away conservatives who tried to get on that committee uh, that she herself served on. And so when, they, when she says she's, she's frustrated that politics are involved, politics were a part of this from the very beginning. And so when I see Betsy Price having a fundraiser with Sherry Mills, something's not right. Sherry Mills is in no way a conservative. So why would Betsy Price be attending an event Sherry Mills was hosting if she were a conservative? It makes me question her credentials. Who, Sher- who made Sherry that Mills. comment? Who made that comment about never miss an opportunity? Rama, Rama man. Rama man. Right. Right. Rama is, is, I mean, is that what we're talking about here? She realized she had a lot of momentum here and that's why she was trying to push this in a school board meeting. Uh, I, I, you talking about Sherry Mills, uh, Sherry Mills. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think Sherry Mills was actually desperately trying to, to get that across the line because it was clear that it wasn't going to happen. I think well, that was a different matter. But. Well, I'd tell your audience members to rewind the tape there to that clip and pay attention and see how she's trying to excuse Sark from this. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, lay some of the blame at the feet of what she refers to as the South Lake community people. Yes. Right. And let's be clear about this. The South Lake families did not get involved until after this happened That's as right. a response to bringing politics That's in. That's correct. This idea that there were no SARC members on the DC is false. There were several dark members, SARC members on the DC. Yeah. And oh, by the way, and I don't have the number in front of me, but I'm going to go back and look now. How many of those people on the DDC signed the SARC demand letter? I promise you it's a significant number. And not only that, they wanted to continually have meetings that were behind closed doors. There was zero transparency. And when guys like me said, I want to be there, I want to sit down and listen to what you were saying, they would not give us time, place, information at all. So so I want to bring it back to Betsy Price because that's really the the point here. And so I found so much. So all of this made me question Betsy Price and her conservative credentials because, you know, BLM – and having a having a, a fundraiser with Sherry Mills, these are inconsistent with a conservative. And so I started digging in, and I, and the truth is, I found so much stuff that there's there's no way we could cover it all here. We it would take hours and hours. So I really want to focus in on one area today, and that's the creation of a race and culture task force in Fort Worth, all under Betsy Price's leadership. Uh, out of this task force came 22 recommendations, all voted for and approved by Betsy Price, and many of them are very concerning to me. And included in those 22 recommendations were things like establishing a diversity inclusion office, imposing DEI training on all city employees, and redrawing district lines in terms of how they vote for city council, uh, presumably to, to benefit a progressive agenda. So, so let me walk through what happened as it relates to this race and culture task force. So given what we just talked about that happened in South Lake, this is going to sound very familiar because it's a very similar MO. So in 2016, there was an incident, a police incident in Fort Worth. Two neighbors, one, one white, one black, both called the police. The black woman and her daughter ended up in handcuffs. And I'm making no judgment on the actions of the police officer, whether he was wrong or right. I don't know. I didn't dig into that. I'm just providing the context of what the spark that led to the creation of the Race and Culture Task Force. 
And so the, a video of this, uh, this police incident went viral and got a lot of attention. So let me run this video real quick that will explain sort of how all this came about. Today I want to talk about race relations in Fort Worth and what's been done to make them better. And this story starts with a video. A black mother named Jackie Craig had a dispute with a neighbor and they both called 911. But the white officer who responded only confronted Jackie and her children and they were the ones that ended up in handcuffs. The video became a national story and locally it highlighted long-standing racial tension in Fort Worth. I want this officer fired. Because of what happened to Jackie, the city formed a race and culture task force. Its goal, to identify problems and recommend solutions. So that's the spark. That is correct. That that was the spark that led to the, cre- just like here, we there's always a spark. Video. There's a spark that led to the creation of the race and culture task force. Let me, let me say that reporter must have uh, been trained by Mike Hixenbaugh, if I could circle back to him, <laughs> because once again, you have no idea the true context of what happened there. Why was the, the woman cuffed? Was it the fact that it was a white cop and a black woman that's being cuffed? Or did she do something? I mean, he never makes that. There's no granularity. There's No. Well, no. I, I was going to save this until later, but I think it's important because I want it in the listeners' minds is one of these recommendations that you mentioned was the creation of a Department of Equity. And I think back yep. to the anti-racist, the modern anti-racist philosophy, which is critical race theory, that's being pushed out there by people like Ibram X. Kendi. That's not his real name, by the way, uh, who they come down and they say, look, uh, when I see, and this is a quote from Kendi, when I see racial disparities, I see racism, right? So in other words, everything boils down to racism, problems that are multivariate in nature. It all comes down to racism and only racism. And remember, this guy is a proponent of establishing a department of anti-racism that is unaccountable to voters and legislators with the power to suppress racist ideas and veto, nullify, or establish any law at any level of government that is not deemed anti-racist. And we can talk about what that means. Yes. But keep that in mind when you think about the power at all these institutions that the director of equity seems to wield. So, so we're going we're gonna to talk about that. Okay. I actually have a quote from Betsy Price on that very point. I love Kendi though. I mean, this guy has managed to be being a, a professional race grifter as he is. Um, he, he makes no sense at all in his tomes that he puts out about racism in America, but it makes millions of dollars on him. And one that he retweeted, we retweeted recently was talking about where if you're going to college in America and you're white, uh, you don't stand nearly as good a chance as a kid that may be black or Hispanic. Right. And then he realized the stupidity of his tweet and deleted, deleted it, it 30 minutes later. Yeah, right. He's I a real that. piece of work. Yeah. But what, one of the things I like to go back to, to uh, George Orwell, because he came up with, in his book, 1984, he had all these different ministries, the ministry of peace, the ministry of harmony. And we all know uh, that, that these are all double speak words that they don't, they mean just the opposite. And I can kind of see it with what Betsy put, you know, the, uh, I, I'd call it the ministry of diversity, equity, inclusion. So, you know, she's got word police. She's got thought police. Now there's pronoun confusion. There's gender fluidity issues. I mean, what, if you extrapolate what she wants to do, it ends up collapsing, uh, I think, I think social order. So I want to be clear though, that she is behind this, right? Because uh, she might try to say, well, 
this was all happening, but it was out of my control, and I wasn't on board with this. And so I want to play one more clip just so you can hear in her own words her endorsement of this, this task, this race and culture task force. So let me run this really quick and also talk a little bit about how they formed it. In August 2017, they appointed the Race and Culture Task Force. I don't want this to just be a study group. I want this to be a group that takes the data, takes what they're hearing, and comes back with recommendations of how we can actually take action, how we can better understand each other, and how we can move the needle forward for all citizens. City Council selected four co-chairs. These chairs then chose 19 other residents to join the task force. I've lived here all my life, and I've seen the transition of our communities, whether it's the north, south, east, or west, transition from, you know, poly, uh, Anglo community turned African-American, now it's turning Hispanic. Uh, we have to learn how to embrace those cultures. Well, I must admit that uh, when I was first asked to be a part of the task force, I was uh, hesitant because I wasn't sure how serious the mayor and the city manager were in appointing this task force. I didn't want it to be just for show. I didn't want it to be a delaying tactic. I didn't want it to be something that they could say that we did something, but we won't do anything after that. So I was hesitant until I got assurance from the mayor and the city manager that this was for real, and they really wanted answers. They wanted us to talk about disparities, find those dis disparities, and then try to come up with some solutions that the city council could implement. Did they not read the playbook from the District Diversity Council? So I don't want to derail the, the conversation about, about Betsy Price, but I just I have to point out, right, she said she wanted to form this task force to get recommendations about, quote, how we can take action. There was never a discussion in that whole should segment we take action? about whether we should take action. And this comes down to, and she said something about, you know, addressing the, the changing demographics, the increase in diversity. And we see this the same argument at every level. How do you address change in diversity? As an American who has sworn an oath to the Constitution, my attitude is the way we do that is we double down on our principles and we ensure that we treat all racial and ethnic minorities the same as we do everyone else. Equal rights and due process for everyone. Are, are, is she trying to say that, uh, you know, Mexican-Americans like me, we don't care about equal rights and yeah, due process? Yeah, but you're near white. You know that. But, well, but the only thing that makes me near white is what comes out of my mind so, and my mouth. So this is my Not very, according to them. But they're, you know, where's the science? I thought they followed the science. Well, but, but that's what she says in here. She goes, she, go, she wants to take down data and follow the science. And, and yet she's already reached a conclusion before that process has even taken place. But, but Juan's point is exactly the point that I was going to make. A conservative wouldn't approach it the way she's approached it, which makes me... Question. Through the prism of race, that's right. how she approached right. this. Right. So, so I obviously I, I wanted to dig in and understand who was this race and culture task force, and so I went and looked. So, as you heard in the videos, four co-chairs, and of the four co-chairs, three are confirmed Democrats. Rosa Navajar, uh, you saw her in the video. She gave ten thousand dollars to the DNC in August of twenty twenty. Lily Biggins, she is a regular Democrat donor, has a long history of, of donating to uh, Act Blue in a variety of Democrat uh, campaigns and, and uh, causes. 
Bob Ray Sanders, while he doesn't have a contribution history, he has a regular history of voting in Democrat primaries, but he's also a journalist and has a lot of material out there, and I read a fair amount of it. There's no question about it. He's a progressive. The one that has a little bit of a question mark is Rabbi, Rabbi Andrew Bloom. He does not have a contribution history. He has a mixed voting record, but I did look at the recommendations he made as a co-chair, and he was focused on education. And without question in my mind, the the, 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 the recommendations that were made, he's pretty clearly leans progressive. Now, there's one interesting connection uh, with Rabbi uh, Andrew Bloom guy. He happens to be at a, the same synagogue that uh, your your favorite Dallas Morning News reporter goes to. Really? Uh, yep. Same. Anna Kaplan. Anna Kaplan. How's she doing? <laughs> same. Anna. Same synagogue. So little, Reach out. Yeah. Shout out to you, Anna. Love you. So these four appointed, you heard in the video, I think they said 19 members. I think a couple came and went. So I found a total of 21 members that had been on this uh, this board. Nine of those members are confirmed Democrats. I could do that through contribution history. People like Robert Fernandez, who were Lincoln Project, uh, contributors. Twelve of the others have uh, no contribution history, but five are confirmed Democrats. I can see that through their primary voting history. The The point is, you can see the majority of this is likely progressive. And so they've. this is the same thing that happened with the DDC, right? You have a spark, they create a task force, and then they pack the task force with progressives. All of this happening uh, under Betsy Price's watch. So this group held public meetings. They met with folks in the communities, and they gathered some data, and you heard Betsy Price refer to that. Uh, and they, they gathered data about differences in racial groups or what they call disparities. And, I, and we have to be fair because we're always fair on this program, guys. Some of this data is really interesting, and it would be really great for a group focused on real solutions to address. And one of them that stood out to me was reading proficiency among black kids. It is, it, it is a shame. It is awful. The, the level of reading uh, uh, capabilities. Is this one of the problems that this group of uh, 19, uh, they're looking at systemic problems within the commu community. Yes. Are they looking at this? Do they? Is that one of their items they come up with? So it, it was. It, there was a whole education piece of this that I'm not going to spend a lot. There's so much here that I can't talk about all of it, but there there were. But the guy, it's the same thing we saw right here. The solution was they need to change the curriculum. Haven't we heard that before? From the education side, the solution was we need to change the, the, the curriculum and address systemic racism. But, that's, that's how we're going to solve this but look, reading proficiency. It's problem. simple. Do like what they're doing in California now and get rid of Fs and Ds. Right. You can only have As and Bs. Wasn't that solve the problem? So, so, but the, the bigger thing was from, these, from all of these meetings, what this group came back and determined was the problem in Fort Worth was systemic, structural, and institutional r racism. In fact, I'm going to read it right from their recommendation. Oh, problem is, and this is word for word, problem is systemic, structural, and institutional racism, not simply personal individual behavior. So that's what the task force came back with. So an event that starts with a police officer who may have been behaving poorly, I don't know, I didn't dig in, but that suddenly turned into a condem condemnation of the entire city as systemically racist. Again, same thing that happened here in South Lake. This whole thing is so cookie cutter. Right. I don't care where. Yep. All you got to do is same wash, rinse, and repeat anywhere in America, and you can use this exact same playbook of where the camel sticks his nose up underneath the tent. They see systemic racism, whether or not it exists. Then they put together these crazy multi-million dollar organizations. Didn't they spend a million bucks on, on the lady that's going to eventually come in yeah. and yeah. put together some yep. one of these Orwellian yep. bureaucracies? 
But so note, how the, note, the, note the emphasis on not simply personal and individual behavior. They make all kinds of accusations. We saw the same thing playing out, and we're still seeing it play out in South Lake Carroll with the it's now 500-ish you can, know, can you imagine if, if this was passed through the prism of a court, a judge, those 500 who, testimonials, if they would have defended exactly who's the and defendant? who's who, the who gets the, who gets right. the opportunity to face their accuser. No and one. the other thing is that 500 people that they swore here in Southlake, do you think that they would swear an affidavit with the with the threat of uh, jail time if they lied on it? Well, if they had a George Soros appointed D.A., probably. Yeah. But, whole different but thing. No, but, I, I know. I get what you're saying, but it, this just goes to prove the point, right? There, there is no evidence. The only evidence is this disparate impact. This is the anti-racism prior to the '60s versus post '60s. Post '60s, it's not about equality. Yeah. It's all about whether discrimination creates equity or inequity, and anything that creates an inequity, which is another word for disparate impact, difference of outcomes, must and always be and only is racism, according to them. I mean, this is straight out of the Marxist playbook. I'm sorry. So this this race and culture task force divided into seven separate subgroups for assessment and recommendation across these areas. Criminal justice, economic development, education, governance, health, housing, and transportation. So the point is that they were casting this wide net, and they wanted to touch every part of the city government. And again, this is under the watchful eye of Betsy Price. So each subgroup made recommendations for their seven areas. And I have all that data, but again, it's way too much for us to cover here. So I, so on December 11th, 2018, the city council unanimously accepted and passed all 22 recommendations from the Race and Culture Task Force. And that included creating the Department of Diversity and Inclusion, diversity training for all city government employees, and the formation of a redistricting task force to redraw lines for how citizens vote for the city council members. And so these these recommendations, to your point, Guy, these recommendations overall had a cost of $3 million per year and 27 new employees, some full-time, some part-time. And the diversity inclusion office alone was a million dollars a year, so a million dollars. Who's running that? So we're, we're going to get into that in just a second. So, so in fact, let's dive right into that okay. office of diversity and inclusion. So... As part of, so they passed that in 2018, and then in the, in the 2019 budget cycle, they budgeted for the Department in, of, in, of uh, Diversity and Inclusion, and so the department was created in 2020 from that, that budget process in 2019. So this office was charged with executing most of the recommendations of the Race and Culture Task Force. And so the first order of business was to hire a new chief equity officer in November 2019, but I'll get to that in just a second. So the way this was structured is you have a chief equity officer that that has three division leads that report to them. Those three divisions, each of them have their own staff. So a total of 18 people in this diversity inclusion office in the city of Fort Worth. So big government overreach. They gave them access to review and influence policy across the city. Guan alluded to this. Every department, so they had enormous power to push this progressive ideology into all aspects of city government. And so I'm going to read a, a, a Betsy Price quote in just a second, and you'll see she was on board with all of this. Uh, yeah, my, my question is, did they ever come up with any scientific data, any um, data that showed that there was systemic racism within the community, other than these platitudes, these vaporous and vacious uh, platitudes? All the data I, I saw was disparities, exactly what Juan 
just alluded to, which it's, is so it's basically people right. getting on Twitter saying somebody called me a bad word and therefore they're a racist. They well, they take the starting point for the investigation, which you and I would look at the starting point. Why is this happening? And they put that at the end, and they say, well, that's the proof that there's racism. Right. Tell tell Wag Dog. Yeah. So, right. Some of the disparities are like I mentioned in reading. You know, the, the black students significantly underperforming Hispanic and white students in their reading comprehension in the third grade, and and I think. It was but do they go into why that's happening? It's, yes, it's systemic racism. That's, they they that's don't the point, point to no. the single fatherhood no, rate. No, 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 sing, no, no. No, that's not the point. Of it, right. That's not the point of it. So uh, the first step in this diversity and inclusion office was to hire the chief equity officer. And so they narrowed it down by October of 2018. They've narrowed it down to, or sorry, that was 2019, I believe it was. They'd narrowed it down to six candidates, many of them in the DFW area. But who did Betsy Price and the city council choose? They chose the most radical of them, right, which is a woman by the name of Christina Brooks, and she was previously the diversity and inclusion officer in South Bend, Indiana, under <laughs> Pete Buttigieg. Pete, Pete Buttigieg. Pete Buttigieg. Right. Pete That's Buttigieg. a man. Now, so, he did a great job as the mayor of South Bend, Indiana. Not. <laughs> no. Uh, and, no. And, and now what is he sitting as secretary of transportation for our fearless leader? Yes, he does. There you go. Yes, he does. So he, he made a really, nice, the blind. a really nice statement about uh, Miss Brooks' departure and what a great job she did in uh, South Bend, Indiana, and how, you know, he, sure, she'll do a great job in, in Fort Worth. Uh, and, in fact, the Texas scorecard uh, picked up on this and actually wrote an, uh, an article about it in November of 2019. And in that article, and I want to read this because this tells you, and, and you sort of alluded to this one, that this tells you where Betsy Price's head is at in this. She, she writes, or she, she uh, said, Brooks' role is not confined to one singular department, but instead she will lead the entire city in the implementation of policies that ensure we focus on diversity inclusion in every department and decision. I personally cannot <laughs> wait to welcome her to Fort Worth. My God, she would be right at home in Cuba. I... So unelected, unqualified, probably overpaid, and they're 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 uh, they're giving her all this power, so, right? Ex ex exactly, <laughs> exactly. So she has enormous power within the entire city government. And and now think back on what we're talking about, and then and then reflect back on Betsy Price's involvement a year later in the BLM protest, and you you see why it sort of connects for me. But I, really quick, I just want to talk about these three departments. I don't want to spend a lot of time on it. But you have the Department of Diversity and Inclusion, which this group has basically got carte blanche to impose the race and culture Implode. task force. Implode. I yeah. like that, actually. To impose the race and culture task force recommendations across city government. And that includes criminal justice, economic development, education, governance, health care, housing, and transportation. And then you have the Department of um, Business Equity. And this group essentially monitors city spending to make sure that they're directing uh, dollars in contracts to minority and women-owned businesses. Um, they actually hired a consulting firm to, to tell them they needed to keep doing this, right? And <laughs> so I don't know how much they spent, but it was probably a sizable amount of money. Uh, as part of this, 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 is, this was my favorite part, so I really enjoyed this. So as part of this, they had to define what a woman was <laughs> because that's the woke agenda, right? And so I, I found oh this, and gosh. the city council approves this. Woman means an adult person of the female gender. Not sex, it, gender. Right. Of gender. That, and so this is where the woke agenda is going to col collide, right? So their objective is they want to make sure women are getting contracts, but anybody 
who says that they feel like a female gender can now get a contract and count as a woman-owned business in the city of Fort Worth. This is what diversity, equity, and inclusion gets you right here. Cue up, cue up the Shania Twain song, right? I feel like a woman. <laughs> Just crazy. It's crazy. So, have you guys heard about Leah Thomas? I have not. He's winning races in swimming competitions by 35 oh, oh, yeah. seconds. University of Penn. I did hear about that. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's it's, what I'm thinking about crazy. right here. It's crazy. That's so, exactly this whole pronoun gender confusion stuff. They're so there, just, there is one group here, though, that I think makes sense, and it's the civil rights enforcement. And so we we do want to make sure that the city of Fort Worth and Tarrant County in general is is a, is abiding by the civil right, 1964 Civil Rights Amendment. But you know what? What have they been doing for the last 50 years? I'm, I'm sure that we've already been in compliance with that. And so we've hired all of these people. It just feels like a redundant, redundancy in resources, maybe even against federal resources. I don't know. Obviously, we want to make sure we're complying, but I'm not sure we needed to form a new department to do that. We did it for 50 years without it. Well, it so, all comes down to who's leading it, doesn't it? Exactly. I mean, uh, you know, so I'm reminded when I see this expansion of bureaucracy. Yes. I'm reminded of a book. And and one of our one of our favorite people, and I'm not going to say his name, posted on Twitter not long ago. I saw that you know he said, "Oh, the conservatives need to read this book." And the book was a book by somebody named Hannah Arendt called uh, "On the Origins of Totalitarianism in the 1930s." So I've actually read that book uh, a long time ago, and what I'd say is they totally get the thesis of the book wrong. Her thesis was uh, she's talking about imperialism. You could make the case, and they do, that white supremacy is a sort of imperialism, right? But her thesis is racism does not cause imperialism. Imperialism causes racism. And what's the antidote? Two things, due process of law and individual civil rights. That, that, so this, this, I agree with you, the civil rights division or, or de- department is probably the only one that makes sense. Yeah. But it all comes down to, well, how are they actually enforcing? Right. Are they going to enforce right. based on, One. oh, disparate <clears throat> outcomes? It must be racism. Or are they going to look at who did what to whom? Well, i got a question for you. In your quiet moments when you're sitting in your chaise lounger with a cigar in your hand, uh, Jack Daniels, um, what's going on in your mind? I mean, does it sound like a dishwasher from afar? I, I, I get a lot of questions that come into my mind is what happens. I just start asking myself questions. You look, I'm going to hold, I'm going to steal the whole book concept from you. And I want to talk about 1100 page book that I just picked up. Um, it's my Christmas gift. It's Winston, Winston Churchill book on walking with destiny. And in that he's, he's describing the house of commons. But as, as we get through this presentation, I, th- I think, uh, his quote directly relates to what he was referring to in the House of Commons, where he goes, the left is always indulgent to those who are proud to be its servants. Its servants are what Stalin called the useful idiots, right? Yep. Uh, some collats, uh, in in France, uh, French Revolution, all the same people. But uh, So there you go. The left is always indulgent to those who are proud to be its servants. Are we talking about a servant here? I think we are. I think we are. The, the last part that I want to talk about as it relates to this race and tel- uh, culture task force and these 22 recommendations was the recommendation to form a redistricting task force. Gosh. So uh, the, in 2016, the Fort Worth voters approved a measure to increase the size of the city council from 9 to 11. And when you do that, you have to redraw the lines that they vote by. You just have to. You're adding two new. So this recommendation was to, 
and anytime a task force recommends another task force, it, it always makes me question. I mean, that's right, that, that's big government. You d- doesn't get any better. Well, think right? about the nine to eleven number. Where are you seeing that right now at the federal level, the Supreme Court? Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's exactly right. How original. Right. Well. That, that's a really good point. And, and I think a lot of our listeners, when you start hearing redistricting and adding two new members. It's not in your favor. Uh, trust I, me. Again, remember, the strategy is to turn Tarrant blue. blue. Paint Texas blue. Right? That's, that's the whole point, right? And so this task force is responsible for creating the standards for drawing the district lines that the city, that, that, that you'll vote for the city council members by. So what could possibly go wrong <laughs> here, right? So, of course, I went and looked at this task force to see who they were. And again, shocker, no surprise. Should I do a so, drum roll here? Do I, yeah, have that? A, I don't think you do, but it's it, so the, the chair of this committee is a woman by the name of Lorraine Miller. She's a well-known Democrat. Yeah. That's the best I can <laughs> do. That's the best you got. Okay. She's a well-known Democrat in Fort Worth. I mean, you can look up her on Wikipedia. She's got a Wikipedia page. She's a DNC co-chair, an NAACP president and CEO. And so she is the chair of this group that's going to create the redistricting for the city of Fort Worth. Of the 10 other members, I can identify eight are Democrats, one is a Republican, and one I can't identify. So again... They, they have packed a task force. Stack the deck, they baby. They stack the deck with, with a group that does not reflect the community, <laughs> right? So when I say there's an effort to turn Tarrant blue, this is a classic example of what I'm talking about. Do, do, do you think the Democrats are going to control the city council when they're done? I'm pretty sure they will. I would say there's a slim yeah. possibility, like 99 out and, of uh, this. This is why it's important that we have to elect authentic conservatives into these local positions, right? And so if, if you're in Fort Worth and you're listening to this, this task force is still working. You, you need you need to go to the city council members and and start asking questions right now and demand a seat on that task force yeah. like right now. Well, and you need to ask yourself, why did the mayor allow this to happen wow. under her watch? Either, either she's ignorant of it or she's on board with it. She's either a, way. She's a part of it, yeah. Exactly. I think Winston Churchill had it right. <laughs> so th- th- so this is really the, the bigger point, right? So if Betsy Price is a conservative, what conservative marches with a Marxist group that wants to disrupt the nuclear family and defund police? Or has their chief of police take a knee? Because we all know that the chief of police is a direct servant yes. to, to mayors That's through right. most cities in America. That's right. So he's reflecting her. What what conservative creates a race and t- culture task force and and packs it with <laughs> progressives? What conservative accepts the twenty two recommendations of a progressive task force and clearly pushes to to implement them? What what conservative seats a community dis- redistricting committee with ninety percent progressives? None of this makes sense yeah. for someone who is conservative. And so the the bottom line for me as I look at this data is I'm seeing one conservative run for county judge, and that one person is Tim O'Hare, period. If you're conserv- conservative and you're on the fence about should you be supporting Betsy Price or should you be supporting Tim O'Hare, everything I just mentioned, go check for yourself online. In fact, so many people have concerns about Betsy Price that a, there's a PAC f- has formed called, I don't remember the, the name of the, the PAC, but they've created a website called therealbetsyprice.com, 
and it has a lot more on it than I can cover here. Not everything that I had that I covered is there, but a lot of other stuff that I haven't covered because we can't cover it. Before you, real quick shout out. I, I feel like I just ha have to do this. Robert Montoya of the uh, Texas Scorecard. He just wrote a really great article that kind of outlines a lot of this. It's a June June tenth, twenty twenty one. Look for Robert Montoya, the Texas uh, um, School Board, where he's talking about new outlets. I got one last yeah. thing to say. Let's have it. And you know. Betsy Price has allowed this to happen under her watch. We don't need she this to happen it. under Tarrant County, okay? This is never had this is not about and never has been actually about racism. We see the expansion of bureaucracy, cull through your history books, everywhere it's ever happened in human history, the expansion of bureaucracy is solely and always for the purpose of power and profit. BLM stands for buy large mansions, and that's exactly <laughs> what the leaders of that organization have done. <laughs> That's all I've got to say about it. You know what, guys? I really appreciate and I hope the listener appreciates the work and the effort that we put into it. We're looking for the truth, Veritas. That's what's important to us. If you want to correct us, please, you're welcome to come on the show. Just reach out to me through the various outlets. You're welcome to come on. Uh, but if you're sitting there listening and you're trying to decide who to vote for, please don't vote on, well, she's a nice matronly uh, senior citizen in our community and she deserves our vote. It. Dig in. Your vote's important. Uh, we found out at these local elections, love election levels, particularly at school board and city council, how important they are. And little did we know how important these uh, judge positions were, because these are the guys that can make you, your family, everyone get to wear a mask when you go into stores. They can shut stores down. They can shut churches down. They can really, really substantially impact your life. And with Omicron, Omicron, however they call this latest Chinese communist virus that was sprung on us a couple of years ago. Um, you know, now they're, I listened to Biden's, President Biden's uh, speech yesterday where he dim, demonized, you know, 20% of Americans that dared not have the uh, vaccine. If, if that's the world that you want to continue, uh, always in fear, always afraid, putting masks on your kids when they're four years old without any thought to what impact that that compliance obedience mask, what that's doing to your kids, putting your kids behind plastic walls in school rooms, making them be educated up and upstairs in their room because they don't, they shut the schools down. If that's the kind of garbage that you're into, then don't think about who you vote. Bring in one of these far left liberals or be very concerned about the Mitt Romneys, uh, the rhinos of the world. I think that they actually do more damage because what they do is they, they manage to milk away good conservatives and, and kind of mess up uh, the way the elections come out. So think really hard about it. Remember, you can listen to us on uh, www.wiseguytalks.com. Com, get on our mailing list, info at wiseguytalks.com. Put your real name in there, no fakesters. Um, what else? Um, like us, share us, make comments about what we're saying. Help us get the word out there. We don't charge anything for it. And as long as we think that there's an appetite out there in the public, we'll continue to do this. But uh, if not, then, hey, it's been a good ride. Uh, this is our last episode, 76. We're concluding it. Again, I can't thank you guys enough. I really appreciate all the effort you put into it. You guys are rock stars. Thank you very much. Yeah.